this evening, we're going to be talking a lot about maybe some terms we don't use all the time. So before we get into all of that and, and see what Scripture says, we're, I just want to give a little bit of an introduction to these words and what they mean and what was all behind that. Sins, transgressions, iniquities, atonement. So let's start out with sins. Well, I, I, we use that word maybe a little bit more, and, and I think we know what that means in general, but let's get really specific. Sin means... Sin means missing the mark. Sin is a word that came from an archery term. And in archery, sin means that you did not hit the bullseye. It was close. It was very, very close. But if it was not in the direct center, that was sin. That was missing the mark. Now in life, sin is not hitting the direct center of where God wants us to be. So God has said to us, I want you to be perfect. Not, I, I want you to try your best. No, no, I want you to be perfect. I want you to be holy. That not one single flaw, not, not off center, one little bit. And you and I have all missed the mark. Even if, we, even if we've been really good people and gotten really close to that bullseye in the middle, we've still missed the mark, every single one of us. And the truth really is that we've often missed by quite a bit. So sin, missing the mark. The next one is transgression. Transgression is to overstep or cross over, go beyond a, a boundary, a limit, or a law. So um, transgression is, is often crime, um, wrongdoing, offense, revolt, rebellion, those kind of terms associated with transgression. But basically, there's a line, and we step over the line, we step over the boundary, we step over the limit. And, and, and the truth is, God has created boundaries for us. He has set limits for us. And we have overstepped those boundaries. We have overstepped those limits. One closely related to transgression would be uh, trespass. Trespass. We use this word in, in other senses a lot. Trespass basically is um, being somewhere where you're not supposed to be. So there, there's a line there. You've crossed it, and you are in a place. You are in a territory where, where you are not allowed to be. So this would be um, going beyond the limits of what is right and good. God said, here's a place where I don't want you to be. I have all these other places that are great for you. I, I've created this world for you. Uh, I've, I've provided life for you. But, but here, I don't want you to live here. I don't want you to do this. And trespass is when we go walking into that territory. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses. And then there's the one we're going to use mostly tonight, especially with the Isaiah prophecy, um, iniquity. Iniquity. Um, really means a lot like what that word it sounds like, inequity. It, iniquity is something unequal. So on a balanced scale, you'd be lacking in justice, lacking in righteousness, lacking in holiness. If, if we were on a scale and God put holiness, perfection on one end of the scale, we should balance it out, but we haven't. We haven't balanced that out. We, what, our lives have been an unequal thing, an inequity. We haven't lived a straight life. We've lived a crooked life. We've lived an imbalanced life. That's iniquity. 
all of these things, when you really add them up, all of these things are simply different ways of describing what we most often call sin. And all of these things, sins, transgressions, trespasses, iniquities, have separated us from God. They've drawn a wall between us and God. So we get to that final word then. Atonement. Now atonement is the payment that needed to be made to make us at one with God again. Just divide that word atone up, at one. Atonement is the payment that had to be made to make us at one with God again. So there was a day in the Old Testament called the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement was kind of the, the, the highlight of the year for the Old Testament believer. It was on the uh, tenth day of the seventh month, and it was also called, maybe you've heard of Yom Kippur, Day of Covering, covering of sins. But, but official term, Day of Atonement, the day of making the payment to make us at one with God again. So on the, the, the Day of Atonement, something very special happened. Um, you can kind of see back in there just a, a slight picture of the tabernacle. But in the middle of that tabernacle, there is the most holy place. Square room. And in that most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God. And now a curtain separated the most holy place from the holy place, from the rest of the tabernacle, and no one could go in the most holy place because God's presence was in there. That's where God was, and God is perfect, and he's holy. No one could go in the most holy place. God was there. Now, one person, the high priest, could go in one time a year, and it happened to be on the Day of Atonement. This is the day that the high priest could go behind the curtain into the most holy place and approach the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. But he didn't just go walking in there. He had to do something. So the day began by the high priest sacrificing a bull for his own sins. So he had to sacrifice the bull, and he carried the blood of the bull back behind the curtain, and that's how he approached the presence of God. That, that blood paid for his sin, atoned for his sin, so he could approach God. Then when he came back out after that was done, he had, there were two goats two goats there and he, he cast lots and one goat would be the scapegoat which would be the living goat and the other goat would be the one that's going to get sacrificed the goat devoted to the lord and once he had done that he took that goat and he sacrificed that goat and he took its blood behind the curtain into the most holy place and he atoned for now the sins of the people with the blood of the goat so this was this one day, uh, holy day, cleansing the priests and the people of their sins with these sacrifices, the shedding of blood. All of this taught us something, but all of, it, all of this first taught them something, which also teaches us something. And here's what all of this taught. Number one, Sin has put a wall or a barrier between us and God. And that, that includes all of us, okay? Um, church people, non-church people. Priests, 
people who aren't priests. It doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are. Sin has put a barrier between all of us and God. And, and they learn that lesson very clearly on this day. Second lesson they learn is that sinful human beings cannot stand in the presence of God. You, you, as a sinful person, I cannot walk into the presence of a holy God. It will not work. I will die. I can't do that. There's only one way I can do that, and that is the third thing this taught us. The only way that I can approach God is by shed blood. Shed blood is the only way I can approach God. Shed blood is the only way that I can make atonement, the only way um, that I can be uh, atoned for and have my sins paid for that I could actually approach God. There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 9 that says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And the fourth thing, that those people and us would learn from this is that a substitute was needed. A substitute was needed to pay for or to atone for that payment on our behalf. So it wasn't, it wasn't our blood that was going to make us right with God. It would be the blood of another on our behalf. These are the things that the people of God celebrating the Day of Atonement would have learned year after year after year after year. And those things have been recorded in the scriptures so that we can learn exactly what is still true today. Sin put a wall between us and God. As sinful human beings, we cannot stand in God's presence. The only thing that can pay for that is sacrifice. And it's going to have to be somebody else being sacrificed for us. Same thing is true today. This is what we learn from the Day of Atonement. Now, now we're going to see what happens with the other goat, the scapegoat. Leviticus 16, verses 20 to 22. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it in the desert. The taking away of the scapegoat was the powerful, climactic conclusion of the Day of Atonement. After everything else would happen that we described earlier as they sacrificed the bull and sacrificed the goat to atone for the sins of the people, the final thing was with the scapegoat, the live goat, that was now going to serve a certain role. And as everyone, the whole assembly, the community of people, as they would watch, the high priest would place his hands on the head of that goat. And then he would confess all of the sins and iniquities, and rebellion, and wickedness, and transgressions of the people. And he would place them on the head of the goat. Now, according to a Dru Jewish tradition, there would be a, a red cloth tied to the horns of the goat. Red Symbolic of blood and punishment. So red, a red cloth on the goat's head. The sins of the people on the goat's head. And it wasn't just 
individual sins. It was individual sins. It was your sins and my sins. It was our individual guilt, your guilt and my guilt, but it was also collectively the sin of the community, the sin of the people. What they understood was we have failed God as a people. We have not been who we should be together. We have failed what the Lord wanted of us. All of that confessed on the head of that scapegoat. This was a powerful, sacred moment. For one more year, our sins would be atoned for, covered, removed. Because God is gracious. Because God is merciful. It's a gift from our loving God. And so then the man who was chosen for uh, the task would then come and lead that scapegoat out in the desert. Now, no one really wanted that job, right? I mean, that goat had, the, had all of the sins, iniquities, and transgressions of you and your neighbor on it. So you wanted, that, that goat was not to make it back into the camp. You didn't want to see that goat wandering around three days later. That goat was never to be seen again. So no one really wanted that job, but whoever got the job better do it well because that goat was not to make it back into the camp. Now, the word for scapegoat is azazel. It means removal or take away. So Azazel, it was the goat of removal or the goat of taking away. So the man who was chosen for the job would Azazel, the Azazel goat, he would take away the goat of taking away. And when those sins had finally been confessed and and it was time for that man chosen for the job to take the goat away, everyone in the crowd would be thinking, take him away him away maybe even some people shouting it out take him away take him away because that goat is is now carrying all of our sins all of our wickedness all of our iniquities all of our transgressions take him away we don't want him here take him away we don't want to see him again take him away and that man would lead that goat out in the desert to somewhere where that goat would never be able to come back again Take him away. So the goat is gone. It's it's nowhere to be seen. It's out of sight, removed. We're never going to see that goat again. What is the point? What do they learn every year? When God forgives sins, He forgives sins completely. When God removes sins, he does so completely. Those sins are gone for good. When God takes our sins away, he takes them away. They are gone forever, gone for good. Now, fast forward. Fast forward to that other reading we had today from John 19. Jesus is now on trial in front of Pontius Pilate. His people have placed guilt on Jesus. They have taken what they call guilt and placed it on Jesus. 
They, they, have, they, have, they have said he's guilty. They want him to die. They have taken what they call guilt and placed it on Jesus. And the soldiers then took a crown of thorns and smashed it down on Jesus' head. And now if you get a crown of thorns smashed down on your head, what color does your head start to turn? Red. Red. And then we read this, didn't we, from verse 15? The crowd. Then the crowd started shouting, Take him away. Take him away. So if you're Jewish and you've been celebrating the Day of Atonement for a while, like every year of your life, you're going to make a connection here, aren't you? Because Jesus, who you and the people have put your guilt on, whose head is covered in red, not cloth, but blood, is now surrounded by a group of people who are shouting, take him away, take him away. Azazel, Azazel, take him away. And then he is led outside the camp carrying the sins of the people. Jesus is our scapegoat. He is our scapegoat. And Jesus, in, in, in the Day of Atonement, there's one goat that dies and one goat that lives. So Jesus dies and Jesus lives. He's the only one who can die and live. So it took two goats to symbolize what Jesus would come and do for us. One to die, but they couldn't make that one rise up again. So one to die, one to live. One to die, one to carry the sins away. Jesus dies and lives. Jesus is our scapegoat, the one who actually takes sins away. So we go back to the Old Testament now. You are celebrating the Day of Atonement, but you're getting tired because you're thinking, we are going to be celebrating the Day of Atonement next year and the year after that and the year after that. Why? Because people keep sinning. So we're going to have to do this whole thing all the sacrifices, all the, we're going to have to do it all again and again and again. And you're getting tired. And you're thinking, what if we could just do this once and for all? Man, you know what that would be? That would be, that would be good news. That would be good news. All of this all of this, the whole Day of Atonement, really everything we read in the Old Testament, all of this was pointing ahead to a Savior who would pay for sin once and for all. The prophet Isaiah wrote about it. He wrote, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, all of our sins, all of our transgressions, all of our iniquities have been laid on Jesus. They've been laid on Jesus. And that is what Good Friday is all about. Jesus carrying all of our junk away, carrying our sins away, carrying our transgressions away, carrying our iniquities away, carrying all of that garbage away. Once and for all, gone, out of sight, never to be seen again. 
maybe you think I'm just making some of this up, but the scriptures actually finish the story for us. Listen to these passages from Hebrews. Chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. The law is only, that's talking about the Old Testament, is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. Not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So those, those sacrifices, the Day of Atonement, those didn't actually take our sins away. They pointed ahead to the one who was coming to take our sins away. They, they reminded us of our sins. They, they, they pointed out the reality, the, the importance for us of having our sins removed and why we needed to. They showed us, they taught us about how it would happen, but they didn't actually take our sins away. 11 to 14 from the same chapter Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect Forever, those who are being made holy. In chapter 7, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. And what does this mean for us? if you could put yourself in the Day of Atonement, if you could put yourself in front of that tabernacle, looking at that curtain, knowing I can't go behind there. I can't walk in the presence of that God. I can't speak to that God. I can't, I, I'm just afraid that God is gonna strike me dead. If you can picture that God, the, the justice of God, here's what that means for us now because of what Christ has done. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our, not the Ark of the Covenant sprinkled, but having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. You know what happened when Jesus died on the cross, right? That temple curtain tore in two from top to bottom. There is no more barrier between us and God. We have confidence to walk into his presence. We have confidence to go to him, to speak with him like our heavenly father. We have confidence to know that he loves us, that we are at peace with him, that we do not need to fear him, that we have an answer for guilt, that we have an answer for sin, that we have a way to weed through strife, anger, stress, and, and the things that divide us as people because we have the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and we've been made one with him, one with our Father again. We've been atoned for because of what Jesus has done. It has changed everything for us. So our sins 
<laughs> our sins are gone for good. Um, Jesus carried our sins away for good. And now, figuratively speaking, the goat is out of the camp. The goat is out of the camp. The goat is gone. So, um, the next time someone is trying to remind you of your past or trying to remind you of ways you've sinned against them or trying to um, hold your failures against you, here's what you can tell them. I don't see any goat in here. I don't see any goat in here. I believe Jesus took those sins away once and for all. And when you are being loaded down and burdened down with guilt and shame, because maybe, you know what, it, it's hard for you to live by the rules, and you keep screwing up, you keep making mistakes, you keep failing, you keep doing things you don't want to be doing, you, 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 you don't do what you know you should be doing, and, and you're being loaded down with burden and guilt, and here's what I have to tell you. The goat is gone. Jesus has carried your sins away. They're gone for good. Everything's good between you and God. Jesus has removed your sins once and for all. Friends, we have to share that message with others. Jesus took all your sins away. He took them all to the cross and he paid the full price. You were a sinner. You are a sinner. But Jesus came and he paid the price that no one else could pay. Jesus came and, and he did once and for all what nothing else could do. And because Jesus did that, when God brings you to faith in that, you are, as the scripture says, you are holy and perfect forever. Holy and perfect forever. You are a whole new person. Yeah, Jesus knows about it. God knows about it all. He knows about it all. He knows about the addiction. He knows about the abortion. He knows about the divorce. He knows about the abuse. He knows about the thoughts in your head that you shouldn't be having. He knows about it all. But that goat is gone. That, that price is paid. That, that goat is gone. It's out there. Uh, with your sins. It's, it's out there, out of sight. You are free. So don't let that goat come back into your life. All right? He's, he's out of here. Send that goat out of your life because he's gone and, and he isn't coming back. Here's why. Because the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not a goat. The Lord has laid on his son the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So we need to be, we need to be a community of people who, when one of us is struggling, when, when, when one of us has stumbled and fallen, that we can pick each other up. We can pick each other up. We can say, hey, I don't see any goat in here. We can pick each other up and say, hey, I don't see any of those sins that you're worried about because Jesus carried them away. They're gone. I, I don't see them. So you don't need to see them either.
This is what we need to do. This is what Good Friday is about. Jesus has paid the price for all of us. This is why he went to the cross. And this is, this is how this can change our life. Our confidence assurance, knowing where we stand with God and how we can help each other as a community, pick each other up and say, you're forgiven, brother. You're forgiven, sister. Because Jesus, the ultimate scapegoat, took all of our sin and nailed it to a cross so that we could be free. Amen.